As I said right at the beginning, uh, my name is Adam. Uh, I'm married to Jess, uh, in case you hadn't uh, worked that out. Um, I'm, in fact, father of Jacob and Ellie. That's them on the right there. And uh, we've got another one uh, on the way. Jess uh, is tummy as a baby. It's not cakes and ice cream as it is uh, for me. Uh, I'm an Anglican priest. I'm ordained Anglican priest in the Church of England. I am vicar of this fine church here at St. Jude's. Uh, I'm also studying. I'm a student as well. I'm a student of charismatic and Pentecostal theology. Uh, Mostly I'm doing it because people go, "Mm," uh, when I say that. So uh, it's quite fun at uh, the University of Birmingham, which is the finest university in the land uh, to study charismatic and Pentecostal theology. It's in fact the only university in the land where you can study that, uh, but it's good. A few minutes ago, I asked you to introduce yourself, and I gave you some sort of strict questions to to share with each other. But if I asked you to introduce yourself to me now, what is it that you would say? What things would you talk about, I wonder? What did you say, maybe before the service, over pizza? What are you thinking you might share with one another? This evening's talk, as I say, is called A Crisis of Identity. And I've added the question mark on the end of the title. Because I wonder if you think there is a crisis at all. If not, I wonder if you can think of a time when you have had a bit of a crisis of identity. Uh, When I was very young, my brother, who's about 20 years older than me, went traveling. And my mum used to say, uh, he's gone off to find himself, uh, as if he was in a cupboard or something. I'm not quite sure what that means. But he, he went off to find himself. This idea of finding ourselves is quite prolific, isn't it? Sometimes we do this. And there are many things that impact our identity. And I'm going to use briefly, before we look at Psalm 139, uh, some Play-Doh, because I love Play-Doh, to think about it. Now, for those of you who like structure and order in your life, uh, please forgive me, because I am going to mix the colors together. Um, My children will love playing with this Play-Doh regardless, so please, please don't worry. What we do has a big impact on our identity. Let's imagine that this color represents what we do. So I've already said I'm a vicar, I'm a student. Uh, In some respects, I am a father and a husband uh, as well. I'm a a line manager uh, to Davita and to Sam and to some others as well. Uh, They can tell you whether or not that's a good thing later. Uh, And those things are sort of things that we do. They're also relationships that we have. Uh, So let's uh, put some other color on there that can represent our relationships. There's far more uh, relationships. They go from uh, our family, if we have them, to our people that we meet on the street, Uh, whoever it is. We have relationships that can sometimes impact our identity. We have other people's expectations on us. Let's get another color uh, for for this one. Uh, And this can be sometimes positive, can sometimes be negative, and it can sometimes be true of our identity and sometimes not. Uh, So, um, for example, uh, Jess and I, whenever we go to uh, each of our families, uh, all of our families think I am an IT expert. Uh, And every time I arrive at their house, uh, within about an hour, they're usually about an hour to be polite, um, they give me a laptop or a tablet or a phone with some problem on it. Some of you might also recognize this. I am not an IT expert. Andrew is. Andrew's here later. They say if you've got any IT problems, go to him, not to me. Um, I am not an IT expert. I just have the ability to use Google better than my family or Jess's family. And yet, for them, my identity is all wrapped up in the many, many problems that I have fixed for them over the years. 
Sometimes our experiences, here's another color. Uh, I'm sorry to those of you who are feeling stressed by this. It's all okay, it'll be over soon. Um, our experiences can be, have an effect on our identity as well, sometimes negatively uh, and sometimes positively. So my dad passed away when I was 10 years old. That had a particular impact on my identity. Uh, and then the things that people say to us can have an effect as well. So when my dad passed away, my granddad said that I was now the man of the house and had to look after my mother and my sister. And that had a profound impact on my identity. Sometimes positive things have an impact on our identity. So becoming father to Jacob has, largely speaking, had a positive impact on my identity. It's had a negative impact on my sleep, but a positive impact on my identity. I am, I think, more patient than I was uh, when, uh, before we had Jacob. Jess might disagree with me on that one. Uh, where we are born has an impact on our identity. I'm in a T-shirt this evening because I'm from the north. And this is fairly tropical at the moment. Some of you are not. I'm surprised that Jess isn't, who is born in the South. She's normally uh, got a jumper on. Uh, so that sometimes speak into our identity. There's all sorts of things. Don't worry, I've finished now with putting different colors on for the moment. The difficulty is that when our identity is all of these things that we give to other people and we share with other people, to a certain extent, they're all external to us. If I wasn't ordained, then my identity would look a little bit different. If my dad hadn't died, my identity would look a bit different. Uh, if my grandfather hadn't said what he had said to me, however lovingly he said it, my identity might be a bit different. If I hadn't become a father, my identity would look a bit different. This, this ball of Play-Doh would look different. You get the point. All of these things are things that we do or have been done to us rather than declaring something of who we are. And it's not only temporary, but it's also changeable and situational. I'm gonna get you to put your hands up. Don't worry, it's not too, ner too, too nerve wracking for those who don't like audience participation. Can you remember in the last five years if you have made a New Year's resolution? Can you put your hand up if you can remember making a New Year's resolution in the last five years? I'm hoping at least somebody else has. Wonderful. Keep your hand up if you are still doing the thing you resolved to do all that time ago. Yeah, as I thought, including me, not, some of you are. Well done for those of you who are, some of you aren't. These things are changeable, aren't they, about us? I wonder how many of you, when we started maybe at a new place, maybe at university, uh, maybe in a new class, maybe in a new town or a city, uh, looked at a part of something that we do and went, you know what, I don't really like that bit of me, so I'm gonna try and stop doing that and change uh, who I am in order for other people to see me. How many of you know that you're a different person with your family than you are with your friends? You'll know that if your family ever meets your friends because you'll be terrified that your family will reveal something of your childhood to your friends and probably equally terrified that your friends will reveal something of the weekend to your family, I suspect. What about online? Are we different in those spheres? All of these different areas end up getting mixed together and confused. And it's very difficult for us to really know who we are in any given situation. This is, I think, part of the issue. These things, as I say, are temporary, they're changeable, they're situationable. Situationable, that's not easy to say. Uh, they get confused easily. And yet, the Bible, I believe, gives us an identity which is permanent, 
which is secure, which is the same regardless of our situation. On your chairs, you have a card that looks like this. These are called birthright cards. These are a gift for you. You're to take them home with you uh, and to keep them forever. On this are statements about every uh, follower of Christ. And every single one of these statements is true of every follower of Christ. Now, it might be hard as you read down the list to accept that that is true for some of them. And if that's the case, I implore you to look up the Bible verse and to spend time meditating on them. Many of these things uh, are, well, all of these things are good. Some of these things sometimes are harder to accept than others. And this term, we're going to be thinking about identity, and we're going to be thinking about a number of the things on this list in a little bit more detail. We're doing that because I think identity is an important thing for us to think about. It's the beginning of a new term. It's also the beginning of a new service for us, and we're trying to work out what this service's identity looks like. So it all seemed like a good idea. For today, in the next hour and a half, don't worry, you're all looking terrified. That was a joke. It's not an hour and a half. For the next 10 minutes or so, I would like us to look at Psalm 139 together and see what that says about our identity. We're going to look at it in three or four different sections, um, and uh, we're going to read it. If you could, please, can you have it open in front of you? Find a Bible somewhere. Uh, Jess is going to read the first uh, section to us. Thanks, Jess. The first section. First section. section. It's on the screen, everything. (laughs) You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me too lofty for me to attain. Thank you. Great. So um, keep the Bibles open because we're going to look at the rest of it as we go through. This first section of Psalm 139 declares that you are known. I don't know whether you've thought about that before, but the God who created the entire universe knows each and every one of you. He knows all the amazing things that you did today, all of the conversations that you had that honored him. He also knows the things that you did that you would rather he didn't know, the conversations you had perhaps that didn't honor him as much. The person that probably knows me the best in the world is my wife, Jess. We've been married for eight years. We've known each other just over 10. There's very little that she doesn't know about me, but it is still very little. There are, I'm sure, things that she doesn't know that I think or that I might even say or do equally true of her. And that's not just because we've only known each other for 10 years. I have friends who've been married for 70 years that would say exactly the same. Yet it's not like that with God. It says here, he fully knows you. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. For those of us who are internal thinkers, they are internal, oh, those internal thinkers, but internal processors even, he knows the thoughts you have before you have them. For those of us who are external processors, he knows the words that are going to come out of your mouth before you see, say them. I think one of the things we end up looking for if we have been through a crisis of identity in our lives is to know actually who we are. 
to be known, to be seen. God knows who you are. That's what these words of this psalm says. God sees who you are and God loves you as you are. I wonder what our identity would look like if we really truly knew that we were known. Let's look at the next bit of the psalm. Thanks, Jess. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. So you're known. You are also not alone. So what did that? This psalm reminds us of the fact we are not alone. And some people tend to remember God on really difficult days, when things are really, really hard and everything else is lost. They go, God, I'm really sorry, I couldn't really do with your help in this moment. And yet other people in those moments of difficulty and in hardship do the complete opposite to that and introvert themselves and go, I'm going to do all of this myself. I don't need any help from anywhere else. It's a really difficult situation. I'm just going to plow on and do it. Some people recognize and acknowledge God in the high moments of their lives, at the points where something amazing happens. Lord, I thank you so much for this person that I've met, this job that I've got, this exam result that I've got. This, this child that has been born, Lord, thank you for that. And yet again, others of us don't pay attention to God in those moments. We're too excited by the moment to stop and give thanks for them. The reality is, the part of this psalm is telling us that we are never alone. In those darkest moments and in those highest moments, we are never alone. What would the effect be on our identity, I wonder, if we remembered that? If we remembered in the good times to thank God and in the hard times, the low moments, the dark moments, to look for him. Let's read the next bit of the psalm. Thanks, Jess. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Thank you. So we're known, we're not alone, and we are his own. We belong to him. There are times in uh, my, around my work, I meet people who um, lack purpose or lack a direction uh, for their lives. And part of searching their identity is working out exactly what it is they're meant to do uh, with the rest of their lives. They perhaps see no role for themselves, be that in church or be that actually in the world. 
I also meet people sometimes who think they're a bit of a mistake. Perhaps their parents have told them uh, that they were an accident, happy or otherwise. Now, if we base our, our identity on what Scripture says, and not the things that we believe from what others have said to us or our experiences, we need to understand that each and every one of us was created by him. We are his. We are no accident. God knows you. He is with you. You are his. Now, I've been quite fortunate enough to have a strong calling, both to my role here, to my previous role, and indeed uh, to the relationship uh, with Jess. She also had a strong calling to that, fortunately, uh, for us both. Uh, and uh, to indeed the idea of having children was clear to us both. But being a vicar, being a student, sometimes being a husband, being a father, are still things that I do remember. I've also had some rubbish experiences in my life. I don't have time to reel them off to you now, but I've had times when relationships have failed, where jobs have not gone well, where others have said things about me that are quite simply not true. The latter of those still happens. It, in fact, happened this week. And sometimes it's easier to listen to the experiences that we have of the past, to what other people have said, to the things that we've done in the past, rather than to base our identity on what God says. And if we choose to base our identity on all of these different myriad of colors, and there, could be, there should be many, many more, because there's loads of things that affect this, we'll end up in this endless cycle, never feeling settled, never truly understanding exactly who it is that we are. The reality is, I am known. I am not alone, and I am his own. I've been called into this job by a father who knows me deeply. I've been called into my marriage by a father who knows me deeply. And on those days when it feels a little bit difficult and I think I cannot possibly do this, you've got the wrong man. Remember, God knows you. If he calls you to do something, he knows you and he knows you can do it. John's Gospel says this, chapter 1, verses 12 to 13. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. Now in one of our sessions a little later in the term, uh, we'll look at those verses in a bit more detail. But when we accept Jesus as Lord, we literally are born again as his children. And more than that, God comes and lives within us. Paul says 86 times in the New Testament, God lives in us. One of the examples is there on the screen. Do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you? As I said, I'm doing a master's in charismatic and Pentecostal theology. And sometimes I find it hard to get my head around that exactly what that means. But essentially what it means is that everyone in this world belongs to one of two kingdoms, the kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness. That's why we give candles when we baptize people to symbolize them stepping in to the kingdom of light. Because at the very core of all that we are, when we remove everything that's there, all of the unchangeable things, there is something inside of us that is solid, 
that is unchangeable, that cannot be moved, that's permanent, that's secure, regardless of the situation. You are his, and Christ lives in you. Uh, William Temple was an Archbishop of Canterbury a long time ago, long before I was born, uh, and he said this. He said, it's no good giving him a play like Hamlet or like King Lear, written by Shakespeare, and telling him to write the plays like that. Shakespeare could do them, but he couldn't. Then he said, it's no good showing me the life of Jesus and telling me to live a life like that. Jesus could do it. I cannot. But if the genius of Shakespeare could come and live inside me, I could write plays like him. And if the spirit of Jesus could come and live inside me, then I could live a life like his. You are his. He is in you. At your core, that is who you are. And that is what we need to build and base our identity. When things happen to us, when things come into question that identity, we base the way we respond on who and whose we are. This week, I responded relatively well to the um, accusation that came from me. I was in a good place to do that. I knew who I was. There have been times when I've not done that. I've responded far more out of all of this stuff than I have out of this. Now, the last part of this Psalm of David, Psalm 139, is David's response to these truths. He uses, in Bible terms, fairly strong uh, language as a prayer against those that don't yet know God to come to him. He renounces friendship with evildoers. And then he has these wonderful words at the end that I put in bold. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Many of us know these truths in our heads. The longest journey that it takes is to know them in our hearts, to know whose we are and who we are at our very core. So tonight, do you know that you are known in your heart, not just in your head? Do you know that you're not alone? You are never, ever alone. Do you know that you belong to him, that he is yours, purchased at a price? You are his, purchased at a price. I wonder if you would stand with me. We're going to pray, and then Sam's going to lead us in a bit more worship. Let's stand together. Just pray these words, and... Perhaps you might like to pray them with me in your hearts. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Lord God, we pray that you would this evening search us and know our hearts that you would reveal to us the parts of our personality, the parts of our identity that we base far more on the stuff outside of ourselves 
and not on what you say about us. Lord, when things come against us, help us to respond out of our identity in you as your beloved children. And Lord, as we grow deeper in relationship with you, would you form us more into your likeness? Lord God, we thank you that we are fully known by you. We thank you that in the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, we are never alone. We thank you that we are yours, purchased at a price. We thank you for your son who died for us. And Lord, we pray that you would continue to meet with and help us to know you as our loving Father. Come, Holy Spirit.